Welcome to episode 50 of Three Point Podcast. Our pod has a different look at the sports world and current events from three different generations. I'm the veteran, a.k.a. the old guy, Ted Fattel of Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5 Radio. Our middleman and social media guru is Matt Burns of ESPN. And the youngest viewpoints will be coming from Jared Fattel of Grand Valley State University and Fox 17 in Grand Rapids. Our partners tonight include the great folks at Rivals Tap House and Grill, the Corona Connection, Corona Public Schools, and our podcast studio, Z92.5 The Castle. Subscribe, give us a rating on Apple iTunes. You can also find us on SoundCloud or TuneIn. And you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 3PointPod. Well, we're going to be talking some college football, but with a heavy focus on the Ferris State University Bulldogs and their quest for a Division II National Championship. We'll be talking with assistant coach Ryan Brady and radio play-by-play voice Rob Bentley. They'll both join us here this evening. But boys, where do we want to start? Well, the big story, as you mentioned, is obviously Ferris. And they've been just kicking ass the last two weeks. I mean, they they, they beat, uh, I think this is how you pronounce it. I'm not 100% sure. Ouchita Baptist, like 37 to 14, (laughs) which is from Arkansas. Then they beat Minnesota State by 17 last week. And they were up by 30 at one point last week. And it's just, it's been fun to watch them. And you just you love it when we're all Corona guys and you got someone like Tony Nice that we can all just root for and we know how good of a guy he is and we know how good of a coach he is. It's just been fun to watch. Yeah, I mean it's just a phenomenal performance by Ferris, especially here in the Anise years. I know you have a little little special interest along with Anise, who uh, his mom you mow her lawn. <laughs> That's a little uh-huh. side note, but uh, you're probably your best friend, definitely one of your best friends, Cooper Clapp, a part of the Ferris program. I think he got redshirted this year, but uh, I know the whole Clapp family very excited and that's that's pretty cool for you to have a, a close friend like that as part of a program like that yeah he was ecstatic he just found out today that he's actually going to be traveling to the national title with the team so he's or wow. to, to texas and the national title with the team so he's really looking forward to that but the thing that i'm really looking forward to watching in this game and this is what and i can't wait to ask ryan brady about this in a little bit here people are saying that this could be the highest scoring D2 national title game in history. This Valdosta, I'm not sure how to pronounce that one either. I'm not very familiar with the D2 schools. But this Valdosta State-like team, they've been putting up 45 points in all but one of their games. They put up 55 points five times. They have a Harlan Hill candidate in their quarterback as uh, Rogan Wells, I I believe is his name. Like This team is just filled with studs, and we've obviously seen what Ferris can do on the offensive end. I can't wait to see just the fireworks show that's going to be on display. Yeah, I know, I, I, they're, and they're a parental powerhouse in Division Two as well. And you, you you bring up, I think it's Valdosta State, but I could be wrong too. But uh, Ryan Brady actually uh, has some experience playing against them. They they won a national championship when he was at Grand Valley, thirty-one to twenty-four back in two thousand and two. Uh, but the, that's a storied program in D two, and I I tend to agree with you. I don't think this is going to be a defensive battle. I think it's going to be a shootout. Yeah, like you said, they're a powerhouse, and I was just looking, doing some research on them. And just some of the stuff I thought was really cool that they do. So they have all, like, little kids below 8th grade, whoever wants to, whoever goes to the game, gets to run out onto the field with the team. I just (laughs) thought that was awesome. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That that helps set the tradition for sure. I got a question for Matt, uh, kind of a technical thing. Last week I was out of town, and uh, the Ferris game was on ESPN3, which is the online streaming service. I got to tell you, man, that's come a long ways from when it first came out. I mean, I, watching the broadcast on my laptop computer, it was just like watching it on ESPN. The, the announcers were good. I mean, the, the the camera quality was good. 
that's outstanding that they've been able to offer that service. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the way that a lot of it's going. Um, obviously, a lot of the the bigger games like Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, stuff like that, that'll always be a production done traditionally, like with a truck at the site. Yeah, it's come a long way. And, I mean, most of the time people don't even realize that, that the only people at the site are the camera guys. Everything else is done whether in Charlotte or, or Bristol or somewhere else. So are the announcers? Yeah, definitely cool. Well, the announcers are at the site, though, right? Not all the time, no. Sometimes no uh, it depends on what, what kind of it, – it's called a Remy, what kind of Remy it is. Sometimes the people are right here uh, just in a room next to us, and they're just watching the game on all the cameras um, in a room and just calling it from there. But I once the like this game, the game that you watch, probably the, the announcers were probably there, but not all the time. Very interesting. And then from, again, uh, this is just something that I'm curious about being in the business, even though I'm uh, about ready to get out of the business. <laughs> but, uh, you know, are, so if you're doing it remotely, doing your job remotely, where's the director at? The director's in a control room here. So, I mean, ah. just for example, the, the games that we do here, we have a control room that has a director, producer, graphics operators, um, and stuff like that. And then, like, my team is in a different room operating the the machines that roll the replays, build the packages, basically everything you see on TV. So we're talking to the director and the producer who are in a control room here in our building, and then whether the announcers are at the site or in our office, uh, we're talking to them too. So, so yeah, it's kind of it's a really cool production, and I mean it's 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 basically a way to save money. So we're not having to send people to all these different sites and everything. Um, you know, we can have everyone just do everything from either Bristol or Charlotte. But, uh, I mean, we can make it look like, I mean, people don't even notice, really. No, I didn't notice. I mean, I couldn't tell anything. I mean, it was, yeah. like I said, it was well done. All right, that's our tech talk for this evening. Uh, uh, yeah. Now back to and, you, Jared. <laughs> and and as something that might make you a little bit nervous, Ted, I'm not sure. This I believe that the Ferris game is going to be at 4, on, at four o'clock yeah. on ESPNU, yeah. not ESPN3. Do you have ESPNU? I, I do have ESPNU. Yes, I do. You break the bank for your cable, don't you? Oh yeah, that's where all I my love it. that's where all my entertainment money goes for sure. I'm a TV couch potato man, especially when it comes to the different sports services. And you know, I got three premium movie networks. I mean, we hardly ever go out. We we're entertained at home. <laughs> most most the- cable packages, ESPNU is included, but I mean, some of them it's not. But yeah, a lot of a lot of games are still on ESPNU. That's basically all it is. Right. Well, I think we'd be uh, remiss not to mention. So this is honestly one of the best coaching jobs I've seen in a long time, which was when in round two, when Ferris went to Northwest Missouri State, and or no, they played him at home. Actually, correct that. And they didn't even have Harlan Hill candidate J. Rue Campbell, who has been just like an incredible story this year. If you don't know the J. Rue yeah. Campbell story, I can give the Cliff Notes version of it right here. Yeah, do it. So, ba- so basically, he went to Cass Tech, and he was just an absolute stud at quarterback, starting it as a freshman, won a state title as a freshman. I. Th- I'm not sure the rest of his career if he continued to win, but I know either in his junior or senior year, he actually got in trouble and like body slammed a bodyguard from what I've heard. And he's actually kicked out of school, was going to go to Michigan State as a quarterback under Mark D'Antonio, ended up going to JUCO. Who <laughs> ended up going to JUCO where he actually won a national title for them. And I don't know if you any either of you guys have seen Last Chance U. When oh. he was there he he absolutely kicked the shit out of the independence. Uh, University, which is where they were at for season three this uh-huh. past season. Right. And now he's a Harlan Hill candidate, and he's just lighting up the field. I mean, he's headhunting DBs out here when he's running the ball. Like, he's so much bigger than everybody else in the field. He's just so much fun to watch. I can't wait to watch this matchup between him and uh, the other Harlan Hill candidate on the other team, Valdosta State, 
uh, Rogan Wells. You know, yeah, you bring up a really good story, too. I mean, it's always nice to see guys get a second chance and, and, and get some redemption. He obviously has. And that, again, kind of goes back to also Coach Tony Anise. Tony's had some of these players that, you know, they need a little a little help along the way maturing, and uh, he's done a phenomenal job. And, and, you know, we know Tony. We know him well. But it, it just it, it's just phenomenal what he's done with that Ferris program. Yeah, and, and, and it's crazy because they're let you because I go to Grand Valley as we know, and I walk around and I'm just they're building a new football uh, complex with my hardworking taxpaying money. <laughs> they're 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 building a new football complex for this football team that is not beating Ferris year after year. Tony is beating these guys with lesser uh, facilities. His coaches are getting paid less. He just does it because. He's just that good of a coach. I mean, he just won his 300th career game last last week, which how perfect would it have been if it was a week later and he could have won it as a national champion? Yeah, that would have been cool. Yeah, I, I'm curious to hear. I was, I was going to possibly ask uh, Ryan Brady about it when we have him on because I even remember when I came in in 2003 to Grand Valley, they were just coming off a national championship, the one that Ryan was a part of, and then they won it again in 2003, so they went back-to-back. And I remember people saying those last – couple of years before I came in the campus really changed and then from when they won one back to back the campus really started to change but that's now been 15 years ago so from then to you being on campus now Jared it's just that campus is almost a completely different campus and it is in large part due to the football team because I mean I remember going to Corona I didn't really know much like what Grand Valley State University was, you know, for the most part. And then all of a sudden they start winning national championships, going to the playoffs. They start showing up in the newspaper or whatever on TV and stuff. So that's one of the main reasons why I chose to go there. So I don't know, maybe the Fair State, maybe they'll see the same thing. Yeah, I mean, hopefully. And that's, I think that would almost circulate around the fact whether or not Tony and he stays, yeah. which I think we all know we all know he deserves to, a chance at the D1 level. It's just a matter of time, I think, before he finally gets that shot. That was really weird. What did you guys think about McIlwain getting the Central Michigan job? I don't know. Like, I obviously don't know a whole lot about Jim McIlwain. I know, like, he was kind of a train wreck at Florida. But, uh, I mean, on and off the field, it was just a mess of a program. But, you know, he didn't really – he was a – he was like an offensive assistant, wide receivers coach or whatever for Michigan this year. So who knows really how much he did – and then he gets the head coach job at Central. It just seems like a really weird fit, especially when you have a guy like Tony Anise maybe waiting for his opportunity. But maybe maybe Tony Anise wasn't interested. You know, who knows? It's very possible. I mean, I know the, the pay grade is quite a bit more when you move up to the D1. But, uh, well, here's, how, here's what I'm going to say. And I agree with you. The whole Central hire really had my head scratching. I mean, I... Yeah, okay, he, he did coach at a big D1 school. Yeah, he worked for Harbaugh down there in Ann Arbor. But, man, it's it must be, to me, it seems like that athletic director may have already had a, a relationship with him and just made the decision he was going that route. You didn't hear any of the rumor mill other than some things on social media about uh, Tony, you know, being, the, being a candidate. And everything we follow thought he was going to be the top candidate. And all of a sudden, they make a hire, make the announcement and have a hire. That caught me off guard. Yeah, this is this is gonna be a stupid. I mean, this is the definition of just like a big name hire. It's gonna get a couple people in the stands for the first few games, and then come a year from now, when we realize this program's not going anywhere, and Jim McElwain's not gonna be able to turn around a program like we have seen Tony and East be able to do year in and year out at Ferris and at other programs as well. 
It's gonna be it's gonna be the central athletic uh, program that's gonna have to pay for it. It's gonna be the, the athletic director that's head should be on the shopping block because of it. Yeah. And I will say this: like, it's just hilarious to me how Jim McElwain has been forever like tagged along like that whole like humping a shark naked photo and it's not even him like i will say this much he has been screwed that screwed him that guy who took that photo who's like who's like a sheriff from alabama really screwed jim jim mccallwain was that a photoshop is that what you're saying no, no it was, it was just a photo. guy that looked it's like just, him. it was like his doppelganger it was ah doppelganger it, i mean it looks exactly like him <laughs> and yeah, I remember I was working on the Feinbaum show when that photo like leaked, <laughs> and that just people were calling Feinbaum left and right, ripping McElwain about it. And how do you like? How do you even like defend yourself? You come out and you're just like, that's not me in that photo. Yeah. But you, but like Jared said, you know it's gonna like stick with him forever, because <laughs> immediately when he, when Central hired him, people started saying like, does he know that the Great Lakes are fresh fresh water and there's no sharks in the Great Lakes? You know, like. <laughs> always going to stick with him and it's like do people forget that he like completely made up his players getting death threats you guys remember that yeah Yeah, that's what what i was saying like he was it was a train wreck at florida like he he was good at colorado state he was offensive coordinator at alabama and had success there obviously but like florida was a complete mess when he was there so it's just really weird that he would get i mean i know central michigan is a max school so it's not like necessarily on florida's level but like it's weird that he would get a head coaching job this fast i don't know yeah, and you almost don't you look at it with him taking that job. He's looking at it as a stepping stone. If he can show some improvement in the first couple of years, he'll he'll look to move up the ladder. Where I think if Tony would have really wanted wanted that job and got it, he pro- that probably would have been his last stop, probably. Yeah, and I guess to me, like that's that's what was like the head scratcher to me. Like I would think a school like Central would want a guy that's going to like build a program. You need to like establish something instead of just this, like, splash hire who, I mean, like you guys said, it's just like a headline grab. Probably if he has a little success, only going to be there a couple of years. Like, what does that do for Central's program? Right. You know, it doesn't really establish anything for him. Well, a guy like Tony, too, has pro- proven that he can recruit the hell out of Michigan, the top players, and, and make them perform. Here's what my scenario is. I, I know Tony could coach anywhere. You know, we're, we're definitely biased. I know, I've known him the longest of – the three of us, but uh, he can coach anywhere. I mean, he could coach at a higher Division One school than the MAC, as far as I'm concerned. He's done it the kind of the John Beeline way. You know, he's never been an assistant really. I think he had a brief period right out of college in Muskegon, but for the most part, he's been a head coach wherever he's been at. He's won a division, or he's won a. Uh, High school state championship, more than one with Muskegon. He had Montrose on the door many times. Uh, he won a junior college national championship in Grand Rapids, and he has an opportunity to win here in Division Two. Frankly, I hope there might have been some interest at Central, and he told them to just get out of here. I'm staying right where I'm at. And I'd love to see him stay there at Ferris personally. Hopefully they could make his contract even better and, uh, and just continue to run it there and, and have the dynasty. Yeah, I mean, kind of like what Jared's saying, they're they're kind of running the GLIAC right now. So, I mean, if if he's happy there and he's running a good program and everything, I mean, it's almost like why not? Why? Yeah. Why would you want to go to Mount Pleasant to Central Michigan and potentially just be like a six six football team all the time in the MAC? Yeah, but the I mean, th- three times your salary be tough to turn that turn into down. a winner. But you know, is that is that a better job than winning at Ferris? Right. I don't know. Yeah, well, the big difference between, you know, D2 and D1 is, you know, the, even the stadium they're going to, 
this weekend. It's a it's a it's like a high school stadium. Yes, it's a seventy million dollar stadium. That's absolutely beautiful. But I mean, when you're at the D one level, when you're at the MAC, you get to go to Ford Field. I mean, you're going to these beautiful stadiums. And then when Ted mentions like the price difference, I don't think there's a program that I, I would love to see him take any job in the entire country. Because not only is he going to get a pay bump, but he's going to. I know he's going to excel there. It doesn't matter where it's at. Right. And and in regards to the stadium, the superintendent when they interviewed him about like their high school stadium, he said, "quote unquote, they're not about showing off." <laughs> okay, it's seventy million dollars. It's you're showing off. <laughs> this is it? That's like Dabo Sweeney saying Clemson doesn't have a budget. Yeah, very similar. Yeah, and, and then they got water slides behind them at the locker rooms. Yeah, ridiculous. Well, I think we all agree Tony could coach anywhere he wants. Uh, I, you know, this is a Ferris-oriented podcast tonight, and I'm sure everybody that's tuned in uh, that uh, follows the Ferris program, they're hoping he stays there for a long, long time. And and frankly, I wouldn't. It wouldn't bother me either. I, I like the job he's doing, and. Uh, I've become a I've become a Ferris slappy man. I mean, the basketball team won the national championship. Tony has them in the national championship. This is going to be a good good Saturday. And too bad you can't watch it live, Jared. Uh, too bad you don't uh, DVR things and watch them like this guy. Yeah, it's going to be a shame that I can't watch it live. But <laughs> I will be following along very closely on my phone. There you go. Well, before we wrap up this segment, guys, uh, any thoughts on the Heisman announcement on Saturday night? I mean, I guess I thought it was the right call. I think. Tua had his his Heisman moment. If you know, everyone always talks about that. Would have been in the SEC championship game, and he didn't play well. He ended up getting hurt. Right. But I mean, that that would have been when he would have like comp- I mean, just taken the job or taken the trophy over and won it there. And he, and he didn't. And Kyler Murphy Murray's been really good, obviously. So I honestly thought Haskins might be a, a sleeper because Haskins' numbers are as good or better than those guys, you know. And he's he's turned it around with Ohio State. So. I don't know. It was fine to me. I think that they, the Heisman committee got it wrong. I mean, just look at the snap counts here. I mean, Tua played 575 snaps compared to Murray's 785 and Haskins 962, and he literally did, like you said, said Matt, like where you were mentioning, like Haskins might have been a sleeper. Like they all had very similar stats. Like it's not his fault that his team was so good and he was so good that he wasn't playing in the fourth quarter, and I think he was like hurt because of that, and that's just not fair. Although the thing I and the thing I will say about like the whole Heisman moment thing that you mentioned, Matt, is like I for, I for one love the Heisman moment. Like I'm all about it. Every year I watch the YouTube video before the Heisman ceremony where it's like a compilation of every Heisman winner's like Heisman moment. And what I realized is a lot of these Heisman moments, quote unquote, are not that Heisman at all. Like it's just it's a couple nice plays here and there. They really don't. It's nothing. It's kind of a made-up thing that's not real. Like, give it to the best player, give it to the most deserving player, and I honestly think that they got it wrong. They should have gave it to Tua. I think my Heisman moment was uh, Billy Sims' jacket. That's that's what I think. <laughs> and I think I'd like to have some of the meds that Billy is on currently too. <laughs> he was having a good time. How old is he now? He's pretty old. Uh yeah, he's got to be. I'm just going to randomly guess. He's got to be mid fifties, I guess. I would think it doesn't help to his case that his the you know the schedule didn't really pan out for him. I mean that's part of the reason why he wasn't playing in the second half. Right. You know, when you're when you're playing Arkansas and Missouri and the Citadel and stuff, I mean it's not a very tough schedule. Another thing that I always love about the Heisman ceremony is their speeches. I mean I love Johnny Manziel's. I loved Robert Griffin's speeches. His was pretty good this year. Uh, I did I did like how he closed it out by saying Boomer. That was a classic end line. 
But what did you guys think about the whole storyline the whole next day about the whole tweets being resurfaced from when he was 14 years old? 14 years old. Wow. Yeah, you want to know what I what I really thought? The, my, the first thing that popped in my mind, Jared, my young nephew, Jared, <laughs> be careful on what you put out there. You know what I'm saying? I know you're a smart young man and, and get it, but it, anything like that can come back to haunt you. Yeah, I think they made a big deal about it because, like you said, he was like 14 or 15 years old. But if you put it out there and it's there for eternity, it could come back to bite you. That's my that's my only word of wisdom for you. <laughs> well, I'm not sure how this got turned into a, pre- a sermon from you to me, but I appreciate it. It's just because I'm the old. I got wisdom. That's one thing you get when you're old and you're a young guy. And I'm just saying I'm looking out for you. That's all. I'm not saying you'll do anything like that. I'm just I'm just looking. Out I appreciate for you. it. Yeah. What did you? Th- what, what do you think about the whole dynamic of resurfacing these tweets? Like, do you think it's fair or foul? Uh, I th- well, it's fair to me because it's out there. So you're so you think that Kyler Murray is what he said is like that's what he actually thinks? No, that's it, what he that's what he thought when he was that age. I mean, it's it's a lot like uh, Kevin Hart, even following that controversy too, right? He was he, yeah. he was supposed to be the host of the uh, Oscars. And he had some homophobic tweet or comment in a, in one of his acts. I guess I guess it was in his comedy act. And the, the academy told him, "You got to apologize for that." And he said, "Hey, I've already addressed it. That was ten years ago. I'm not going to do it." Jeez, that is so stupid. Yeah. And then they pushed him on it, and he said, "You know what? F you. I'm out of here. I'm not going to do the job." It's tough. It's it's a tough call. I, I hate people that dig that stuff up and then put it out there. You know, they're the real villains, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, there's a side that, like, I feel like, like, there's, there's two sides. There's, you know, if you're going to be a public figure like that, I mean, even if you're going to be in the radio or if you're, I right. mean, if Fat Stack Sports is going to blow up, Jared, and, you know, you're going to be having a bigger podcast or, you know, whatever. Like, if you are going to be a public figure, I always laugh at the celebrities who get mad because they don't have privacy or because things they say or do always show up on social media or show up on the news or whatever that's kind of like the price you pay if you're going to be a public figure like that like you have to be smart about what you do about what you say if you go to the bar and these people get in these bar fights or go to strip clubs and get in these fights like you're a celebrity of course people are going to be recording you and people are going to see this so you just have to be smart about what you say now that being said who doesn't say like dumb stuff when they're 14 15 16 years old or whatever so like people can change you know like people evolve people learn people get educated people change the way that they think and feel so like to just bury someone for something stupid they said when they were 15 or 16 years old when they've obviously grown up they matured or whatever is pretty stupid yeah for uh, two things there first off what what is this fast sex sports you speak of i don't know what that is and second the thing that yeah the thing that i guess bothers me is that it's like he said it when he was 14 years old i mean come on what do you, Ted? What do you think you were doing in your 14s, uh, other than smoking, growing weed in uh, the basement? <laughs> Just put it this way: I, I was doing stupid stuff later than that, you know. So, yeah, I mean, you can't hold that against somebody at that age. And and the other thing is, it has kind of blown over, hasn't it? I think so. Yeah, he he apologized, and it it, it was news for a day. It'll be news. Right. For maybe one or two more days. Actually, probably, probably by the time people are actually going to listen to this, they'll be like, wow, that's pretty old news you guys are talking about. I didn't even know that happened. That's right. kind of how things go on the Internet. Yeah. So. Well, that's I think the- what, what made it look even like kind of worse from the, from like the get-go was it was mostly 
like Alabama fans bringing this stuff up because they were mad Tua didn't win. Uh, but it's just like it's just salty Alabama fans tied. mad Tua didn't win. So they dig back, they go to Twitter and look this stuff up and try and bury this kid. And it's like you know, just get over yourself. Stop, stop being a fanatic and just move on. It's it's football. It doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, they're basically vultures, is what they are. You know. You know, I, I was thinking too, like you know, not everyone says stuff like that. Like I see people say. You know, when, when celebrities or these athletes, whether it's something racist, homophobic, you know, whatever, when this stuff comes out, I see people say, like, everyone says stuff like that back yeah. in the day, you know, or everyone was doing this kind of thing back when they were 15. That's not necessarily true either. So there is a side that's like not everyone has those thoughts or says stuff like that. So if someone is doing it, there is a side that's like, you know, you might need to address it. But like in the Kevin Hart situation, like how many times do you want me to apologize about it? I've already addressed it. I've already moved on, already apologized. Like are we going to keep going back to the same thing over and over? Right. You know, that's, that's why he's like, F you to the, the academy. Like I'm not going to host the Oscars then if, if you're going to keep bugging me about this. Yeah, and he, he got the last laugh, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, I don't even, I'm not even sure how bad he wanted to do it. I guess from what I understand, it is one pressure packed uh, gig yeah it gets you a lot of exposure but he let's face it kevin hart does he really need any more exposure the guys everywhere no nah, yeah he probably doesn't it's probably a nice paycheck too i would think so yeah no pressure no diamonds ryber griffin heisman speech there you go <laughs> all right let's leave that there we'll talk some uh, ferris sports coming up here in just a moment but i want to tell our listeners about rivals tap house and grill that's the local spot here in the Owasso Corona area to meet up with your friends, catch your favorite sporting events on their 21 big screen TVs, all kinds of weekly food and drink specials, including great burgers, wings, and pizza, along with homemade soup and salad. That's Rivals Tap House and Grill, located on the corner of Shiawassee at M21 in Corona. Just underway here from the Pontiac Silverdome, 30 yard line for the Indians. They'll send. Shackleford in motion right at us. Zappin gets the fake now. Brady keeps it. 35, 40, 45, midfield, 45, 40, 30, 20. Cuts against the green. Ryan Brady all the way for the touchdown. Brady back to throw. Throws a bullet out here. Complete. The ball breaks the tackle. The 40, midfield, down the sideline. The 30, the 20, the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Chesapeake. All right, you heard it on Z92.5. Clips from the 1998 high school state championship we got on the other end of the line. Uh, Ferris State assistant football coach. He's a Division II national champion as a player and, of course, won that championship with Chesanine in 98. Ryan Brady of the Ferris State Bulldogs making their way to the Division II national championship game. He's a coach on Tony Anissa's staff. Welcome to the three-point pod, first of all, Ryan, and congratulations on your run so far. Yeah, thanks, uh, Ted. It's, uh, it's been exciting and uh, couldn't be more excited for Saturday. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, uh, walk us through, first of all, uh, the experience of this season. You know, last year you guys had a heartbreaker loss in the playoffs, but you seem to have it all going together here as you head into the championship game. Yeah, last year was tough. You know, we had a great defense last year. We had 16 seniors, and we really felt like we had the pieces um, to win the thing last year, and um, we ran into a good Harding team, and uh, we didn't play our best and still had an opportunity to win and they kicked the field goal late and it definitely was uh, devastating for us. And uh, we just came back this year on a mission, did a great job recruiting here and we've had a lot of guys, you know, be patient and wait their turn. So and we got like, you know, 15 new starters on defense this year and 
but they're all veteran guys that have been here for a few years. A lot of guys that double red shirted, and so it's not like they're uh, they're you know young dudes. Uh, they've been around, and now they've been waiting for the opportunity, and they've gotten that. And we really we, we turned a lot of guys from offense from last year, and the addition of Jay Rue Campbell at quarterback has obviously been huge for us. And um, so we got a great team, and uh, we're feeling good about Saturday. So, Ryan, you mentioned uh, your guys' loss last year against Harding. Uh, what do you think the difference was? Was there any difference in scheme in this year's win against Harding, like on the defensive end as the co-defensive coordinator? I know they were on the option attack, so I'm just, I'm just curious if there's any changes. Yeah, their style of uh, play is obviously very difficult. Um, obviously, myself and Coach Hodges, uh, we, we coordinate the defense together. and us, He was an option quarterback at Montrose, so we're both former option quarterbacks, so we got a good background on option football, but it's still a really tough uh, stop. And, uh you know, we we played great defense the year before, um, held them to 16 points, and you know, and we knew it was going to be a tough task again. It's a very physical game, and we really uh, they're and they're really they're really well coached, and they have some really good players. And so we knew when we got that draw, uh, that probably the toughest game of this playoff run, maybe week one in the playoffs, and we drew them again. So we kind of looked at ourselves and said, "Oh, here we go again. Um, let's make sure we get it right this time." And uh, it's credit to our kids. Our kids and our coaches did a great job, and uh, we pulled out a, a tough W. You mentioned that you both, uh, you and Coach, or you and your your fellow co-defensive coordinator, played quarterback in high school. How has that helped you as a defensive coach? Well, that's my gift to uh, coaching defense is that I'm a, I have an offensive perspective, and so you know when we're breaking down opponents, you know I can I can see what you know a team wants to do and what their strengths are and what their what their offensive coordinator is trying to accomplish and. You know, I can predict, you know, what I think they may try to do to them, how they may try to attack us. So, for me, you know, um, being on defense is probably um, where I belong, even though I I love coaching the quarterbacks and I spent a lot of time on offense. Really, I find, like, my niche has been, um, you know, coming up with great game plans and figuring out how to stop all these people. Ryan, we've talked about, I mean, this this segment opened up with some, some cool sock calls of uh, your time at Chesanine and, talked about your your days playing quarterback and everything and i'm just curious uh i one of my co-workers marcus spears he uh played at lsu he was a, a high level high school player too and then he went on the nfl he was asked recently what his most memorable loss is in his whole football career and he said right away his last high school game they lost in the state championship at uh in his high school and he said that's the one that sticks out that's the the one that he grew up you know playing with his friends you know the high school memories are what sticks out the most to him. I'm curious. You you won a state championship in high school, won a national championship in uh, college. You've had success as a coach and everything. But like, which one? What what is something that sticks out the most to you? Is it that state championship in high school? Oh, that one's definitely special. That was a special group of guys, and it was really a magical run. And um, it was just a lot of fun. And I love those guys and so many great players and great friends and you know that's what it's all about that one definitely sticks out and then you know at grand valley um you know we we broke to we broke the barrier down there and won the first playoff game there and then made made a you know great run and probably my most memorable loss would have been the first national title appearance where you know we uh, got into the end zone with about a minute 50 to go and we had the lead and then you know they hit a big play on fourth and seven when we were trying to win the game and ended up losing a heartbreaker. So it's probably my most memorable loss, toughest loss of my playing career. But when you're a coach, they all hurt when you lose. And obviously I've been blessed since I've been with uh, Coach Nice 
I think this is uh, this is our tenth season together, and we're 105 and 18 in ten seasons. So, you know, every loss with Coach Neese hurts because every season we're we're playing for a championship and we're playing for a chance to to win at the end. And so, you know, every time you don't win the national championship with Coach Neese, it hurts because every year you feel like you you have a team that's good enough to win it, and you're in position to do that. So, all the losses seem to hurt a lot more with him than uh, than obviously when I was a player. But um, yeah, it's been uh, that, that Chesapeake State Championship was was really really special. That one's definitely got a a, a place. In my, I always have a place in my heart, and uh, I couldn't love those guys and coaches and you know the town. Uh, it's just awesome experience. I have a follow up on the on the Chesapeake run in a moment, but I want to go back to that 2001 heartbreaker losing to North Dakota. I mean, you know. You kind of shortchanged it a little bit. You were a starting receiver or slot man to, on that team, right, for the most part? Yeah, I started 10 games at slot receiver, and then we got into the first round of the playoffs. And uh, we were up, I think, a couple scores, and it was right before the half, and we were fourth and one. And Coach Kelly was trying to uh, move the chains quick. We ran a QB sneak, and uh, Kurt Ames tore all of his knee up, and so we lost him. and. Then after the game, Coach Kelly was kind of like, hey, man, you're going to have to play quarterback. And so he moved me to quarterback that next week, and and we made a nice little three-game run. And that was another little magical moment and got all the way down there and had that game won and you know, then just slipped away at the end, which is uh, which was hard, hard pill to swallow there. Yeah, my question I really had is, I mean, that was kind of like uh... – like a, a a movie script, you had it right there. You know, I mean, you it's a it's a Cinderella story, as Bill Murray would say. You you come in, you're you're the backup. You, you lead them to three wins, like you said. You had them in the national championship game. You went ahead. I, I got to ask your your frank thoughts on this. I mean, you had to have some sleepless nights, and you're a team guy. But you had to say to yourself, defense. How could you do it? Yeah, it was tough. The hardest part was standing there on the sideline. And watching it happen, I just <laughs> felt like I did my part, and you know, I felt like we had the game won. And North Dakota was really struggling to move the ball. I mean, I think I think it took them like you know, I don't know, a minute and a half to get like two first downs. Right. They couldn't even they couldn't even complete a pass. We had them on fourth and seven, and they were sixty yards away. And every time I see a coach Martin and coach Jansen, they apologize because they dialed up a cover zero pressure and. You know, it was probably not the right call at that time, but they were trying to end the game, and you know, they ran into a, a unique, uh, unique set, and you know, a guy broke a tackle, made a play, and uh, so yeah, it, it, it was tough. It was really tough. Um, it's hard to stand there and watch that go down the way it did. You know, it was, it really, we really should have, we deserved to win that game, but you know, I've won a lot of games where, you know, we weren't the best team, and somehow we found a way to win. And that's the game of football. Yep, you're right. I want to ask a question again about your high school days because I know we'll have a lot of listeners from that that remember that '98 team. I mean, obviously the Castle jumped on board that bandwagon pretty early, and uh, it still goes down as probably my favorite uh, broadcasting moment ever. Was doing that '98 championship game, I and mean, it was one of the all-time greats, 41-38 over uh, Belding. I think they were number one, you were number two going into that game, and I mean you had again. And one of those games where you were in the zone, three touchdown passes, a couple of touchdown runs. Uh, like you mentioned, you had a great team. Uh, but can you put into words what that was like, that whole experience? Yeah, that experience was just uh, 
it was just something that we worked for and dreamed about, and we worked hard and made it happen. And it was really, um, it was just everybody kind of was on the same mission and had the same goal, and it was just a group of guys that just committed themselves for, you know, from the moment we lost um, our, my junior year to Frankenmuth, everybody was committed to, hey, we're gonna, we got everybody coming back, and we're gonna do it. And so everybody put the work in and was, you know, we were grinding, you know, Monday through Saturday for, you know, seven, eight months. You know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday lift, and Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday sprint training, and we were committed, and uh, you know it paid off, and it was just uh, fun. Um, you know, it's, that one always feels special and makes you feel proud because Belding was, I mean, they were like one of the best teams in the state at any division. I mean, they had, you know, the Cummings brothers. One went to Michigan, the other one went to Michigan State, and they had a couple of Division One offensive linemen and. You know, this is their third straight trip to the finals. The year before, they were, they won it. Um, the first year, they lost the country day in a heartbreaker. But I mean, they had, you know, we were playing a team with 25 seniors that were already state champions. You know, I mean, it was not an easy deal for us. And uh, for us to come out and, and pull that one out, it was, uh, it was definitely special. You, you mentioned earlier, you, you just threw out Coach Kelly and Coach Martin. That, that's Brian Kelly and Chuck Martin. You played for some pretty some pretty legendary coaches at Grand Valley State. What was that experience like? Yeah, I've uh, I've been blessed. I mean, I really have. I mean, playing for Jim Zappin, who was, you know, a high school Hall of Famer, and, you know, he's won multiple state championships, and then, you know, them getting to go and went to Ohio University and played for Jim Grobe and Troy Calhoun, who's now the head coach at Air Force, and then and going and playing for Brian Kelly and Chuck Martin and John Jancic, who's the has been a defensive coordinator everywhere at University of Georgia. It's just, it's been tremendous. And then, you know, to land with Coach Anise was truly a blessing because he's really changed my life. And it's been, uh, it's, it's been great. You know, Coach Kelly is, um, he was really a, a good X's and O guy. I learned a ton uh, from him about the passing game and protections and, you know, all those kind of things. And he, um, he's really masterful when it comes to that kind of stuff. And, and Coach Martin, really a defensive guru, and you know he's just really intense and and provide a lot of energy, and it's really demanding of his players. And uh, you know it's funny, I've learned so much from those guys, and and you know I feel like Coach Anise is you know as good or, or better than those guys. And um, it's fun every day to be around uh, Coach Anise because he's just uh, he has a lot of fun and he keeps things loose, and you know we're a crazy bunch of guys, and <laughs> and we have. We have a lot of fun, and that's that's what I like most about being a coach. Is we keep it loose, and and we're we're a little crazy and probably over the top sometimes, but we do it just uh, to make sure. I mean, this is like I think our 144th straight day of work, so we haven't had a day off in 144. So uh, when you get to this point, it's 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 definitely a grind. You were talking earlier about J. Rue Campbell, and he was actually out. Uh... In your, I think it was was it round two or, or your game? Yeah, round two game against Northwest Missouri State. Did the game plan change at all with Travis Russell and like Evan Cummings kind of in at quarterback, or was it kind of business as usual? I know you're a defensive coach, but I know that you probably have some sort of hand in the offense as well. You know, the the game plan definitely um, changed. I mean, they basically, um, you know, uh, Coach Anise and Coach Kasula, you know, basically made a game plan for each quarterback, and so. Um, and Northwest Missouri is, you know, national power, and they they run a very unique defense, and so uh, it's very very difficult to deal with. And you know, it was just a masterful um, game plan and masterful execution by our players. 
and all three of those quarterbacks did an outstanding job. And um, it's really credit to to our, our team for believing in the coaching staff and trusting um, with all the crazy stuff that we did that week. Um, but it really threw Northwest for a loop because you know they were they didn't know until like game time that Jay Rue wasn't going to play, and so you know they prepped for something else, and all of a sudden now they see three different quarterbacks all running different plays and, you know, something that they've never seen before. So, you know, it was definitely uh, challenging for them. I'm sure they were probably like, what, what is this? So without giving away any uh, trade secrets, obviously, what's to, what is the plan right at the moment for this championship game? It always comes down to, like, you know, the, the simple things that you focus on every week to win football games. You know, obviously we want to you know, control the line of scrimmage, you know, both offensively and defensively, and, we got to take care of the football, and obviously they're a big play offense. They're the number one scoring offense in the country, and so you know for us, we want to try to limit their their big plays, and you know we want to stop the run, and most importantly, we want to we want to control the tempo and the pace of this game. And um, we feel like we're battle tested. I mean, we've had I mean a gauntlet of teams that we played um, from Harding to Northwest Missouri to you know Washita to you know, Minnesota, Minnesota State, Mankato, I mean, the teams we played are like, holy cow, you know. And so we don't feel like Valdosta's been through the gauntlet like that, you know. And then obviously having to play, you know, Ashland and Grand Valley and Saginaw Valley was good this year. And, you know, Finley was a seven-win team. I mean, we've had a tough, tough schedule this year. So, you know, we feel really good about where we're at and our, and our health of our team. And uh, we feel like we're definitely, like, prepared uh, to go play this game. You know, Ryan, you brought up an interesting point that I have felt all along. Uh, You mentioned about uh, Coach Kelly and the others, and uh, you made the statement that Tony Anise, uh, you would rank him there or even higher. And I've always felt, you know, he could he could coach at any level and be successful. I mean, he's proven it. Uh, the question I just have, though, is uh, how does it affect your staff when you hear the noise on, you know, other possible opportunities? I know you're concentrating on Ferris State, but uh, is that talked about at all? You'd be surprised. I mean, obviously, do you hear, like, chatter, like when the Central Michigan job opened. Right. But our players, I didn't have one player ask me about that at all, you know. And so not one player said, hey, you guys are, are you guys leaving? Not, I mean, not one player. I mean, so our, our kids just focused on, you know, the task at hand. I mean, we've been here. This is our seventh year at Ferris. And so this has been, this has been our goal since we've been here. And we've had teams, we felt like we should have won this thing, you know, way sooner than now, you know. But it just shows you how tough it is to win the national championship, I mean, it is not easy. It is not easy to do. You know, I mean, we have we had Jason Vanderlaan and Jake Lampman and Zach Sealer and Justin Zimmer. I mean, you know, our 2015 team had, you know, seven NFL players on. Wow. So we got seven guys in the NFL. I mean, you, know, you think, dang, in 2015 you had seven NFL guys, seven, seven NFL players, and you guys didn't win it? You know, it's like just hard to do. And so, you know, you hear, you hear the chatter, but, you know, there's only you only focus on the things that you can control, and um, you know every day you just come to work and focus on those things, and that's what pushes you through. You know, I played for uh, Tony's dad, Nick Anise, the legendary high school coach here in Michigan, who passed away way too young. Tony, uh, he, he's taking it up a notch. Just tell me a little bit. Tell us a little bit about uh, you know Tony's style. You know what his real strength is that that leads to this incredible success. Well, I, I'll give the perspective I always tell people and I tell recruits 
you know, and I always tell them, you know, I've, I played for, I played for these guys. You know, I've been with Coach Anise, and Coach Anise is the best because of his relationships that he have, he has with his players and his coaches. I mean, he treats me like a son. So that's really what takes him over the top. You know, is you know a lot of college coaches, it's business and politics. With uh, Coach Anise, it's family and it's relationships and it's caring for young people and. You know, we're here to serve. And so that's our approach. And we just wrap our arms around kids and we love them. We're, we're not a staff that screams and yells and, um, you know, hollers at the kids. You know, we, we get intense and we have fun. But it's, um, you know, we, we love our guys and our players love us. And so, like, it's, you know, if you came and were hanging around our facility, you'd be like, wow, like, you know, the players are hanging out game planning with us all day long. Hmm. You know, like our doors are open, and, you know, you say, wow, you know, parents, when they come on recruiting visits, like, we just can't believe the way that you and your coaches and your players interact. You know, everybody's hugging each other and telling them, telling each other they love each other. And so that's really what makes him special, besides the fact that he's, you know, an unbelievable football coach, you know, you know, X's and O's and motivation. And, I mean, like, he's, he's elite on all those levels, but it's really the relationships that he has with the kids and the, and the coaches and, just everybody around him. I mean, just he's like a magnet. Like, people just want to be around Tony. I think, like, the game ended last week against Mankato, and it was 10 minutes after the game, and he's like, he showed me his phone, and he had, like, 250 text messages already. <laughs> it was, like, 10 minutes, you know? Like, just, like, everybody, you know, like, loves the guy, you know? And so he's just really special in that regard, you know? And that's just really what I've learned from him the most is just how to treat people and how to serve and help others and, that's really, uh, you know, why I love him the most. That is awesome. Uh, I just have one more question about the actual game. So I've been reading some, like, press clippings that people are saying this could be the highest-scoring national title or D2 national title game in history. As a defensive coach, does that piss you off a little bit? Yeah, well, I'll just tell you that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. Uh, it may be high-scoring on one end, but I'm not in. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, uh, I've watched a lot of film, and I'm, I, uh, I feel good about our matchups and how we match up against this team. They're a 10-personnel team, and they want to spread us out and have a lot of little fast guys on the field. And uh, we see that um, you know, all spring, all camp, all year round when we go, we go against Coach Anise and come in some of his styles. So uh, we're pretty well schooled uh, against that style, um, and we have a lot of speed, and we're big and we're physical on defense, and we play a very unique um, – scheme that really makes it tough on people and so you know we've this year against Grand Valley we held them to 34 yards rushing you know and we held Northwest Missouri who averages 250 yards a game rushing we held them to 31 yards rushing you know so we have the ability to choke people out and uh, especially defending the run and so I watch these guys a lot if it's if it turns into a track meet I'll be shocked they do have some elite mm-hmm. speed and some playmakers so no, it's not going to be a scheme issue. Uh, if they, if their players are making plays, they definitely could, uh, they definitely could uh, put some points up on the board. But uh, I feel good about uh, the way we play and um, how we match up against what they're going to try and do. Mm-hmm. And then I just have one question. So you guys have been uh, like road warriors the past couple weeks, and you're obviously going all the way down to Texas on Saturday. I think you're leaving on Wednesday, I believe. Can you kind of walk me through, if you can, like what your schedule is going to look like once you get to Texas up until game time? Yeah, we've actually been unbelievable on the road since our time here at Ferris. I don't know. 
I think in the last four years we maybe thirty three and three or something crazy like that on the road. Wow. So um, we uh, we're we're excited when we're on the road. To be honest, it's just a nice change up for us. You know, at Ferris we don't have we don't have the best facilities, the best weight room, you know, the best fields. You know, like we're probably like last almost in the league in all those areas. So when we get to go places. It's like vacation for us. Like we're excited to like go out and venture out. So like our kids love it. When we hit the road, it's like, oh yeah, we're excited, you know. So when we got the three seed, I mean, we were cheering. I mean, our kids were happy. We're like, we're going on the road, yes. Like, <laughs> not a big rapids. Let's go, you know. So we we were thrilled. We're like, great. We're going to Mankato. Like, oh look at this. This stadium's awesome. Like we can't wait to go there, you know. And it's always neat to be on the road. So we're leaving Wednesday morning, flying out. Um, landing in Dallas, and then when we land, we're going to, as soon as we land, we'll go and get something to eat, and then we're going to hit the practice field on Wednesday, and then we'll have some meetings and, and team meal, um, and then we'll give the kids some downtime Wednesday night to get settled and stuff, and then Thursday we wake up and uh, we'll have an early practice and uh, some film after that, and then we, I believe, um, I haven't seen the full itinerary yet, but I believe Thursday night we go to a, a banquet with the other team, and so we basically have a meal with uh, both teams there, and then there's, like, some games and stuff that you do with the other team, um, which is kind of unique. I think there's, like, I don't know, like, the coaches have a push-up contest between each team, and there's a, you know, they're put, the kids have a pool playing contest, you know, they're playing some billiards, and there's all kinds of neat stuff that goes on Thursday. And then Friday we wake up and we'll have a walkthrough, and then there's, and there's both teams will go do a community service project on Friday, um, which that's always neat. And then Friday night we'll have uh, we'll have uh, another film session and, and team meal, and then we'll start getting locked in for uh, Saturday. Kind of teed it up when you were talking about the facilities at Ferris State and Big Rapids. Maybe being on the lower end a little bit. Uh, I went to Grand Valley. I I got there in 2003, so I got there after the first championship, and I was there for their second championship at in the 2003 season. And from that time, the next four or five years, when I was at Grand Valley the campus was just like changing and expanding and new facilities and everything. And Jared's there now, and it looks like a completely different campus than even from when I was there. I think it, honestly, I think it is almost, it's a great university, but I think it's almost directly affected by the success of the football team. And you were a part of that. So can you talk about how, how it feels maybe to look at Grand Valley and see how it's grown, see how their facilities have been upgraded and know that, your football teams kind of had a hand in that? Yeah, we always, um, you know, we joke about that kind of stuff. Um, our coaches and stuff, like, not that I had an impact on that, but obviously the success over many years um, has helped, you know, that stuff grow, obviously. And, you know, Grand Valley's got a lot of great alumni and supporters who help contribute to a lot of their projects, you know, so it's not all their university, but, you know, they got a lot of, a lot of uh, big-time donors that, that help get things going and, and they're proactive too in their administration and their presidents have done a, did a great job there helping that stuff you know when we go there and we play you know for us we're like excited because it's such a pretty stadium and so our kids like love it when we go there and so you know our coaches will stand and you know me coach Nice will stand there in pregame and be like you know how, how do we beat these guys you know you look around and you're like how do we how do we beat them in recruiting how do we beat them on the field like like look at all this stuff like hmm. you know it's like it's crazy you know and so mm-hmm. you know what we do here at Ferris is we win with people 
you know, and so, you know, we recruit kids that want to be around winners, and that's really our focus is when we go out on the road recruiting, we're looking for winners, and we're looking for kids that are looking to be around the best people that can be and not worried about pretty buildings and pretty uniforms because um, that ain't going to win you no games, you know, yeah. so, you know, that's that's our strategy, and it's um, it's worked really well, and it helps. Um, when you're building a team, you know, you're getting the right kind of kids that are focused on the right things, which are, you know, kids want to be involved with great, you know, in, in good, strong relationships, you know, with obviously their uh, their peers and their coaches, and they're there because they want to win. And so, you know, those are the kind of things, like when we're, we're pitching kids, um, we're not pitching our facilities, obviously, and, you know, you don't obviously don't go to, you don't pick your, uh, your place of worship based upon how pretty the churches you pick it based upon, you know, the people that are inside. And so um, that's how we kind of build our football team is uh, in that same kind of mindset. Wow. Well, we, I, we've taken a lot of your time here. I know the schedule is just jam-packed, but, uh, man, we really appreciate you taking the time out, Ryan. By the way, when uh, Jared asked you the question about uh, the possible record points being scored in your answer, that had me all ready to suit up and get ready to play. You were fired up, man. <laughs> I love that, but I'll tell you what, you have all three of us uh, rooting hard for the Bulldogs this Saturday. We'll be watching from afar, but uh, I know you guys will be prepared no matter what, and just go get it done, all right? I appreciate it. All right, Ryan, thanks for joining us here. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. You guys have a good one. All right, buddy. Thank you. you Maybe Slickty, a quarterback here for Minnesota State, as we're back to action. He drops back to throw. Pressure coming from the backside, and Edwards strips it loose. The Bulldogs recover at the 19-yard line. And uh, some collisions here, but Portis breaks it. Derek Portis, touchdown, Bulldogs. Quick offense here for Minnesota State. Slickty looks downfield and intercepted by Thrower. Deshaun Thrower. not able to stay on his feet, but he comes up with the interception. The team's head to the center of the field. The Ferris State Bulldogs are going to the national championship game. Well, next up on the pod, we're going to stay right on the topic of Ferris State football and sports in general. We're going to be talking with their longtime athletics communications director and also the play-by-play voice of Ferris Bulldog sports, Rob Bentley. And Rob, Welcome to the podcast again. We talked a little bit about your national championship in basketball last year, and uh, now uh, on your way to a Division II football championship. That's got to feel pretty good. Yeah, it does. It's uh, kind of kind of amazing that we had a chance to call uh, our first national championship game in March, and now a second one uh, here in a matter of uh, seven or eight months. So it's it's going to be exciting, and uh, certainly it's been a great year, and uh, look at, really looking forward to the experience. Well, you know, we got uh, Ryan Brady's perspective as a coach and a former player. How about on the broadcasting end of things, being able to go through the tournament, uh, feel the excitement with the players? And by the way, I'll give you a, a, a compliment right out of the gate here. You do a great job. You and Sandy really cover the uh, the Bulldogs perfectly, and, and great job on that call on that semifinal win. Hey, it's a, it's a lot of fun, and I appreciate that. You know, it's been a great year on – Obviously, you know, we've had a tremendous season, but uh, here in the playoffs, it's, it's been a ton of fun. Um, you know, we had a couple close games early that we played at home against, you know, some very good teams in Harding and Northwest Missouri State. And then last two weeks, uh, you know, we've had an opportunity to, to be on the road, be around the guys. Uh, you know, big win uh, in Arkadelphia, Arkansas, or Washita Baptist in the Super Region Championship game. And then, obviously, last week in Mankato against Minnesota State, it was uh, just a, a great trip. Uh, for the second week in a row, and, and we're looking forward to making it three in a row this week. 
So in the past, Ferris has lost in the semifinals a couple times. What do you think the difference was between this team compared to, say, last year's teams or other teams that Tony has had in the past? How have they been able to take that next step? You know, I think uh, it starts up front. You know, we've got a veteran offensive line, guys that have, you know, really been through it uh, here over the last three or four years, a unit that's been together and stayed together. And, you know, they've kind of led the way. I think on both sides of the ball, our offensive and defensive lines have, have really played well here in the postseason. And, you know, that's a big key when you get into, you know, some tough weather challenges. Uh, this, this past weekend it was 20-some degrees uh, up in Mankato, and, you know, you really have to brave the elements. And both sides of the ball, we've been able to control the line of scrimmage. And, you know, that's been critical here in the postseason. You know, overall, we've just got a, a veteran group, guys, that uh, have gained some experience going to the, the quarterfinals each of the past two years. And, you know, they're looking to uh, get something more out of it this year. And, you know, they've been able to uh, really maintain their composure, maintain their poise, and, and be focused and ready each and every week. Now, Rob, you talked about, uh, or you've been talking about the playoffs and all the traveling you guys have done with, with Ferris State and everything. And I'm just curious, as a broadcaster, maybe, or even just your personal opinion, about the playoff system. A lot of people think that the way that Division Two and even Division Three does their playoff system for college football is much better than the current D1 playoff format. Do you think it would be more entertaining or just better in general for the, the D- Division One playoffs to go to a more uh, system more like D2 and D3? You know, I'm, I'm a big proponent of uh, what Division Two does. I think they do it right. You know, it's a, it's a tough uh, field to get through, but uh, if you're able to do that and you're able to go out there each and every week, you know, I think, I think you really find out who, uh, who the true champion is. And, you know, we've got two great teams that are going to square off here in the championship game, and, and that's probably how it should be. You know, they had to go through uh, the wars of the, the first few rounds and, and get by some very good teams, and, you know, the, the strong survive. And uh, we've got two teams that are both unbeaten uh, here in the championship game. You know, we played a couple clips leading into this interview, and uh, one of them was uh, you got a rarity. You got one of your players uh, was on the national championship basketball team, and he has a chance for uh, quite a rare duel. Oh, yes, we do. Uh, Deshaun Thrower, you know, he's had an outstanding uh, year for us, obviously, in basketball last year, and then uh, here this fall in football is our starting safety. Uh, He's kind of had the unique role of splitting uh, time between both sports. You know, you get so many hours per week, and, uh, the coaches do a great job. Uh, Coach Nice and Coach uh, Broncom on the basketball side, you know, they work together and they try to do what's best for him, and, and it's worked worked out well. You know, we had a game uh, back in October where he missed a, a football game to go with our national champion team uh, down to Duke and uh, had a lifetime experience to, to play at Cameron Indoor Stadium. Um, you know, and then a couple weeks ago we, we had a practice uh, during our playoff run here where, you know, he practiced on Tuesday and that same afternoon drove to Finley, Ohio, and, scored 35 points so it's it's very unique and uh you know fortunately he's a he's a great athlete competes hard and you know he's gonna have uh you know an opportunity here to to really do something special on saturday so people talk about the the legendary stories of Deion sanders playing for the falcons and the braves what he's doing is just as impressive it sounds like it is and uh you know he's he's a guy that uh, really credits all his teammates and his, his coaches for making it work and you know he's got uh, a lot of friends a lot of teammates in both sports and you know they they really react and interact well with each other and um you know he's he's been a critical part of uh what we've been able to do both on the basketball side and and certainly on the football side in uh in our secondary this year you know a defense that had to replace 10 starters and he's one of those guys that has came in and really took on an expanded role and uh you know had a big interception last week in the semifinals speaking of like big time players um your guys' quarterback this year is actually a Harlan Hill candidate in J. Rue Campbell. But I want to ask you, what differences and sort of similarities do you see between him and former Harlan Hill winner Jason Vanderlaan? 
you know, I think it, it starts with leadership. They've both been uh, tremendous leaders. Jason was, uh, you know, the guy that really uh, got our program off the ground under Coach Anise and was was the guy that was his uh, starting quarterback for the first four years he was here and, you know, was a tremendous leader on and off the field. And Jay Rue has a lot of those same qualities. You know, he comes in and uh, he's a guy that everyone else looks up to. And, you know, he's been able to come out and really have a great year. And, uh, you know, he's done everything that he's had to do both on and off the field. And, uh, has been uh, a guy that's led the team. And obviously, uh, you know, on the ground, both of them put up some incredible numbers in terms of rushing the ball, leading rushing quarterback uh, in the country again this year. And, uh, you know, that's partly due to Coach uh, Anissa's system, but it's partly due to, you know, the way they play too. And they're both physical, you know, tough players that, uh, you know, aren't afraid to take a hit. And, and uh, it's been a, a great uh, addition to our team. And, you know, obviously he's got a great arm as well and is thrown for – Know, over 2,500 yards. So he's had a tremendous season, and, uh, you know, we hope he's the, the Harlan Hill winner, but uh, there's some other great candidates out there. Um, but certainly to have him as one of the finalists has is, is been uh, uh, really special for our program. Well, I'm sure he'd trade that in for a national championship. And, you know, you'll have your hands full for sure down there in Texas, but uh, we have faith. We're going to we're gonna pretend like we're Jim Rome and give you some three-point podcast karma. How's that sound, Rob? Hey, that's great. You know, we have a chance to – to do something special, uh, you know, no team in NCAA history has ever won 16-0, and, uh, you know, we have a chance to do that on uh, Saturday, so we'll, we'll take all the karma we can get. Give us a little thumbnail sketch. I know you guys came back on your charter plane, got home late uh, Saturday night or even on Sunday morning, but what's uh, what's it been like for you? We're recording this on Monday night, but some of the duties, some of the some of the activities you got to organize and coordinate. You know, we, we do. It's been a hectic day in terms of uh, the travel preparation and trying to get our flight together and you know, lodging and all that stuff, um, you know, from my aspect, uh, not only am I the broadcaster, but also the sports information director, and, you know, I've been uh, working with uh, media requests all day and, uh, you know, trying to get the the most out of uh, this that we can, you know, to, to help, uh, you know, our department, our program, and, and certainly there's a lot of attention as the only only team left playing uh, here in college football in the state of Michigan. You talked about Coach Anise uh, a few times, and, you know, we're all, the three of us are Corona High School alums, so we kind of have a, a connection to Coach Anise a little bit. And, you know, he obviously, he's turned Fair State football, I mean, into a powerhouse in Division Two. And, you know, his name is always tossed around sometimes for some of the D1. I mean, he was being talked about for the Central Michigan job a little bit. Can you just talk quick about Coach Anise and how great he's been for Fair State? And if you think maybe eventually he is going to maybe move on to D1? You know, I think when you have all kinds of success and you, and you do what you're uh, – what you're hoping to do in terms of uh, getting wins on the field that, uh, you know, a lot of those opportunities are, are going to be out there or, or at least be talked about. And, you know, uh, that's uh, a big reason why he's been so successful. He's, uh, you know, he's competitive. He wants to win. Um, but he, he does things that really help uh, mold, uh, you know, the young person and the student athletes. And, you know, he's been able to uh, set a great example uh, for our program, um, not only on the football side, but uh, has helped, you know, re-energize our entire athletic department since uh, he took over in 2012. And, um, you know, it's been great working with him. He's, he's a great person to work with, first-class individual, and and obviously uh, this past weekend was able to record uh, his 300th win. Uh, you know, from yeah. high school to junior college to to here at Ferris State. So, you know, it was really special, and um, I'm thrilled for him and a chance for him to win a national title. So, I just had a couple of questions for you, Rob. Uh, first off, uh, as someone who's watched this Ferris State team all year. What do you think could be the difference in Saturday's game against Valdosa State? I mean, obviously they put up, they've put up 55 points in over five games this season, and they have just an absolutely electric offense. What do you think could be the difference that could help Ferris win? You know, I think it starts up front. If we can control the line of scrimmage and, you know, really uh, control play uh, both on the offensive and defensive sides, you know, that's going to go a long way in 
determining who's able to win the football game. You know, I think we have to get some some pressure on the quarterback defensively, and um, obviously uh, shut down the run and, and really limit what they can do um, if we can. You know, they're a, they're a tough, powerful offense, but. Uh, we, we just faced one as well this past weekend, Minnesota State, and, uh, you know, our defense really played well. So I think they're going to have to have a great game. And then on the offensive side, if we can uh, establish the run, you know, we've really got a chance to, to do some things uh, in terms of both the running game and the passing game. You know, it's an explosive offense, so uh, Valdosta State uh, puts up some points, but so do we. So I think it could be a, a really fun and entertaining game for the fans. And then uh, follow-up to that, if we do control the line of scrimmage or if Ferris controls the line of scrimmage, What's going to be your call if they win the national title? Are <laughs> you going to have some Gus Johnson panache to it? You know, I, I kind of let it come to me in basketball, and it seemed to work. So, uh, you know, we'll wait and see as uh, it, it gets down to the wire. But, uh, you know, we had a great basketball call uh, at the end of the game with a, a game that went down to the wire, and I expect this one to, you know, kind of be the same on Saturday. So, uh, you know, hopefully uh, the words will be there when, when the time has to come. I, I think the, nat- does, the oh, natural wait. call is the way to go for sure. Is that something that is that is that something that comes across your mind? Like, oh, I can't screw this up when the game's <laughs> coming down to the wire. You know, I don't think much about it. Um, you know, every once in a while, I guess uh, you know you don't exactly say what what you're intending to say or, or say it the right way. But uh, hopefully, uh, you know, in a moment like that, that uh, y- you have the right words, and uh, you know that's all you can do. And certainly, uh, we'll be thrilled for our team and, and our program if that happens, and and certainly there to support them whether uh you know it's the right thing that's said or not well i'll tell you rob uh, you always come up with the right words uh outstanding broadcaster up there for ferris they're lucky to have you and we're lucky to have you here on three-point podcast giving us a little flavor for this national championship game definitely pass on our best to tony and the team and uh we'll be rooting for the bulldogs no doubt about it hey thanks we appreciate it and we're uh, looking forward to saturday and i uh, appreciate you having me on The Corona Connection is a publication founded to create a platform for Corona residents and students to connect. View the entire Corona Connection paper online every month, both on Facebook and at coronaconnection.com. And speaking of Corona, the Corona Public Schools, they have a winning team, that's for sure. Find out why nearly 40% make it their school of choice, whether young or old. It's great to be gold. Well, it was great talking with those guys about Ferris State football. I'm really looking forward to this weekend. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's going to be a really good game, obviously, on Saturday. And it was cool to hear Ryan talk about winning the state championship at Chesnane and then national playing and then winning the national championship at Grand Valley. But, you know, I'm curious, like, what you guys think. I asked him about kind of the difference between the two. Is there, There's a big difference between, you know, playing with your high school buddies, kids you grew up with your whole life and everything, playing for your high school team. There's a bit, little bit of a difference in playing and you know, for a college team or something, right? Wouldn't you think, even though none of us played football in college, but wouldn't you think that would be? Oh, yeah, I, I would definitely would think, think that. And, you know, when I remember back in my high school days, you know, our, our football team finished 7-2, and two, but we were so close to being undefeated. You know, and I still think about that season all the time that just a few breaks here and there, we could have been a perfect nine and zero, and, you know, and been in the school, school lore like your team was and Jared, your team. Yeah. I, I think it's, yeah, I think it's, it's obviously going to mean more to you when you grow up your entire life, you know, playing with these guys, obviously, like you said, Matt, I'm never going to know from experience what it's like to win a college national title. But I just think that, when you live with somebody your whole life and they really are your best friends, I think even the friends you make in college, like they're, they're not going to match the friendships you have when you're growing up in the same town. So I think that it's just because of that overall 
friendship for the second time using that word. That's what makes it so special. I think, too, like, I mean, growing up in town like we did in Corona, I mean, I grew up, I'm sure you guys did, too, going to the games your whole life. I mean, you just, like, as an elementary kid, you dream about the day when you're out there, like, playing with that Golden Dome helmet on and everything. So, so yeah, it, it does mean a little more in high school. But that being said, I mean, obviously it would mean a lot to play in college and play for a national championship. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would be the ultimate if you if you ever would have that opportunity. Jared, you get to kind of, uh, through your friend Cooper, uh, even though he's redshirted this year, he's got some other years coming down the road. And if uh, Tony stays there and, and Coop keeps developing, I mean, you could watch your best buddy win a national championship. Yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, I'd be his biggest cheerleader, yeah, per se. And he was one of your big protectors there on the offensive line at Corona, too, right? <laughs> he was. He was. <laughs> how how was that as a quarterback, knowing you had like a really good offensive line? Like you just knew when you dropped back, you weren't going to get hit, right? Yeah, it was uh, it was awesome. I mean, I didn't know that we were going to be doing a whole deep dive on my uh, high school football career, which was it was okay. It wasn't anything super special, but yeah, it was awesome. I mean, you had I had three guys who were offered by D two schools. Two of them, two of which went on to play at, at D two level in Cooper and then Brandon Blair at Northwood. So yeah, it's like it's like Johnny Manziel said, and I love, I'm all about the Heisman speeches right now. Uh, he, I feel as safe doing this podcast as I did when I was sitting in the pocket with those guys. <laughs> well, I will say this, Jared, you were my favorite Cavalier quarterback, but I, I've watched Corona football for a long, long time, and uh, that's your your offensive line is probably the best offensive line I've seen at Corona as a, a five man unit. They were they were really good. They they, they know what they're doing. They like to call themselves uh, the Slobs, is what their <laughs> nickname was. I wish I'd have known that. I used it on the radio. <laughs> it's crazy. So what? I mean, I know you don't have the numbers in front of you, but I mean, they all went on to play D two, or at least were recruited. So you had some big guys on your offensive line. Yeah, it was tough to see over them. Uh, that's like kind of the old joke that everyone used to say at me, you know, because I'm so short. It was really tough for me to see over them, but yeah, they uh, great guys, even yeah, better guys we, off the like field. Like my than team. They were on the field. I mean, Kyle Clough, he he would be the first one to talk about. Our, our offensive line was really good too, but we didn't have those like traditional big huge six foot five 280 pound guys we had like our guys were more like i don't know just like 200 pounders strong 180 190 pound athletes you know farm boys that could just like kick people's asses it was like it was crazy to see our offensive line because i mean a couple of them probably only weighed like 170 180 pounds they knew how to get it done. They, they could do work, though. That's for sure. All right, that's our high school reminiscing for now, boys. <laughs> Let's call it a pot, all right? To all our listeners out there, do us a favor. Share Three Point Podcast with all your friends and family. Subscribe on Apple iTunes, SoundCloud, or TuneIn. Be a part of a future pod and record a short commentary or question to send to us at our podcast page, Twitter, or Instagram. Those uh, That spot is at Three Point Pod. You can email us as well at threepointpod at gmail.com. Again, thanks to our partners, Rivals Tap House and Grill, the Corona Connection, Corona Public Schools, and Z92.5 The Castle. And a very special thanks to Ryan Brady and Rob Bentley for talking Ferris State football with us tonight. This has been a Sportsnet Michigan production. Our next podcast will be a very special holiday edition. Until then, thanks for listening to the Three Point Podcast.